Welcome back to That's a Shame. It is episode number 36. Oh, hey. How are you? Welcome back. Welcome to the show. I am a, a new man. I'm a changed man. I'm a different man. I'm a ring guy now. I got a ring on. For those of you watching on the tube ski, you can see it. I got fake Mary the other day. I don't like to call it fake though because it felt real as shit. We had a friends only wedding. Me and my lady. Me and the fucking wife. Wow. I always think of that classic Seinfeld. That Seinfeld scene. It's great. It's great to say my wife. It's great to start a sentence that starts with it's great to start a sentence with my wife. You know, and I'll tell you, I'm really enjoying this marriage thing. You think about each other. You care about each other. It's wonderful. Plus, I love saying my wife. Once I started saying it, I couldn't stop. My wife this. My wife that. It's an amazing way to begin a sentence. My wife has an inner ear infection. <laughs> See? I like that. I like it as well, dude. It's fucking good stuff. It's weird. I still call her my girl 90% of the time. I can't. I didn't do fiance. I'll get adjusted to white. Wife is better than fiance. Fiance is pretentious as shit. I'm down for my wife. Um, but we didn't sign any paperwork or anything. We had an Elvis marry us because we're fucking cool people. We're cool people. And dude, I mean, I went into this thing. I didn't really know what it was going to be, man. I didn't plan it. I didn't do it. I just knew we were having a wedding with just friends, no family, because the real wedding in November is just straight family. It's an expensive wedding. And that's why the, our parents get to pick who the fuck is coming because they're paying for it. We're not paying for it. And uh, that's what that experience is going to be. It's going to be all family, few friends. This was all friends. And the thing about this is the only the only person I... It, w- it wouldn't be necessary for me because I can fit all my friends in the real wedding because I have very little friends. But my girl is, you know, has more friends than... I don't know. I, there's no compa- There's nobody who has more friends than her. There's people who look, you know, have the perception of having more friends than her. But there's, there's no... I don't know if there's anybody on the fucking planet... And it could be stu- it could be it could be annoying and obnoxious to brag about my wife like this, but I don't know if there's anyone else in the world who has more people who just genuinely love her than my fucking wife. And I'll tell you, the only thing better than starting a sentence than my wife is my fucking wife. Boy, that feels nice. But yeah, there was like a hundred plus people at this thing, man, and it was just cool because it was a. Uh, if 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 what my wife if my wife proved anything the other day was that you could really throw a wedding it doesn't have to be stressful it could be stress free and just enjoyable I mean it wasn't stress free but you know for me it was because I the only thing I had to do was worry about my outfit because I had no other responsibilities but I showed up man and just the joy and the enthusiasm and the fun that it was man I got on stage the crowd cheered we had a good time the Elvis was doing his thing we had a ton of laughs my girl walked into the room you know, down the aisle. Her brother came. That was the only family that was there. Her brother came to walk her down the aisle, pass her off to me. And when, when she walked into the, room, into the room, dude, I mean, the, the fucking crowd erupted. And I cried. I teared up. I walled up. I had to hold tears back. And I, uh, I'm not ashamed of it, man. If I'm not going to cry when my wife, when I see my wife dressed up in her bridal outfit for the first time, and she comes to get on stage with me in a, in a 
fake Elvis with me and a guy from the Bronx who might have a little bit of a mental sort of disorder because he pretends to be Elvis for a profession. If I don't cry during that, then what am I even doing marrying this chick? If you don't cry when, you're, when your to-be wife shows up in the aisle, if you don't have to choke back tears, then you probably shouldn't be married. You're forcing yourself to do it because you think it's a thing you need to do. But now I'm confident in my decision. I was always confident in it. But I'm even more so confident. And I love her even more after this whole thing. I mean, it was... I'm not a party guy, and that's why I wasn't really that excited for it. But man, it happened. It was one of the... It was some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. And the food was ridiculous. Lamb chops, caviar pasta, mushroom tostada, bluefin tostadas, wagyu beef. Mmm, good stuff. My girl knows how to do it. She played the whole thing. I didn't do anything. I focused on my outfit. And I, was, I will say this, my outfit crushed it. I look fresh. I, look, I, did the rever, I did a reverse tux, which I don't see many people doing. All black, all black. And then the jacket was white, which I get why people don't do it. It was a nut. I mean, I hugged probably 76 different women and a piece of their faces all is just left on my right shoulder of the suit. Just a handful of 70 women's cheeks are on, the, on my right shoulder. And that's what happens when you wear a white tux. But it's nice. It's like a more. It's a. It's a. It's a. You know, a memorable thing now. I got a piece of every chick that was at that party on my right shoulder. I probably shouldn't even get a dry cleaned. I should keep it. I should frame it. It's a. It's a. A relic. I don't know. But it was a good time, man. And if you're listening to this podcast and you were there, shout out to you guys. You made it super special and and unique and fun, and. Uh, Dude, we were struggling because, I mean, you're on stage, you're doing the thing, the guy's reading, you know, the passages, each, each kind of minister or, you know, whatever they're called, who are doing the ordaining thing, who are ordained there, have their, like, passages that you have to repeat that they kind of change up on their own. Like, he had a bunch of Elvis puns in there. You promised to never give him suspicious minds and all this other stuff, you know, using the titles of Elvis songs in his things. But he was rattling off way too many words. Dude, the guy was get we because you go, you know, I promised to, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. He was giving us full paragraphs to recite, dude. And me and Mario were just looking at each other, laughing. Like, are we, are we both too should we are we both do we both have such a low IQ that it's irresponsible for us to be getting married right now? Or is this guy just giving us novels, just Harry Potter books to recite in one thing? He got he's gotta break it down into four words. Cause look, we're up there, we're not, you know, you're a little bit nervous because you're up there in front of everyone, you're still doing a whole thing. And uh, you might not be nervous to be getting married, but you're still up there in front of people. So you're not as sharp as you could always be. And then that dude, the Elvis, had the goddamn nerve, the gall, the unmitigated gall to look at me while we were struggling to recite the things to be like, and you do this professionally, you're a comedian, you get on stage. I'm like, I don't fucking recite love passages professionally. And that got a big laugh. And that's all I really, that's what I wanted out of that. I wanted one good pop and I got it and I got it. The rest of it, I don't even, she could have said, she could have said, you know, not, she chose to say, not nah, I do. She could have said, nah, I changed my mind. But if I still got that laugh, it would have been a successful night. Because um, it's all that matters to me in life is getting a laugh. And I'm kidding. I cried. I cried because she was hot and beautiful and cool. And I, I married the dopest chick of all time. Oh, man. Super casual. And the attire, dude, the, what the funniest thing is, I mean, I had like... I literally had like 10 friends there out of the hundreds, not hundreds, the 100 people that were there. And on the, um, on the invite, 
my girl wrote that the that the attire the attire for the occasion was funky cocktail and from the 10 people that I invited nonstop up until the day it happened, what is funky a cocktail? I don't know what to wear. Should I be wearing a suit? Should I be wearing a tie? Should I be wearing just a jacket and a shirt? Should I be wearing a floral thing? Nobody knew, including me. I didn't know. I had to ask my girl so many times, my wife, so many times what my friends are supposed to wear. And uh, I couldn't really get a straight answer, but I'll tell you what, all of her friends didn't have a goddamn question because half of them are Brooklyn hipsters whose just full closet is funky cocktail. That's all they own. And I didn't know what to tell them. Some of them were there in button downs with cargo shorts and uh, long pink socks with Vans on. And obviously that's not going to be a thing I know to tell my friends to wear because I would never think about wearing that in my life. I've never hung out with people who, who have worn that up until I met my girl. But that's a portion of who she's got in her friend circle. And the rest of them are just, you know, other people who have eclectic taste. They're not technically broken hipsters. They grew up on the Upper East Side. But they still know what funky cocktail is. And I just have a bunch of white dudes from Long Island. That's not even true. Four, two of them were from, like, the white dudes from Long Island. Half of my real friends couldn't even make it. The other ones were comics. Who are my real friends? But they didn't know funky cocktail either. My comic friends own, like, five shirts. So... They didn't know if their one button down with khakis was going to cut it, but it did. And I didn't even care. They came and they had a good time and that's all that mattered to me. Ah, man. It's inevitable though. Whenever you're at, whenever you're a comic and you're at a, a gathering of people who are mostly not comics, it's just a, people are going to come up to you. They're going to tell you stories. They're going to, they're going to, you know, which is fine. That's fine. Tell me a story. Talk to me, baby. Give me some good... Be entertaining. Be funny. That's great. But it's inevitable, without doubt, somebody, some person will look at you, tell you a story, tell you a thing that happened to them, and then be like, you know, you can feel free to use this in your skit. You can use this in your... Use this in your skit. Yeah? You're going to get a lot of material from this from this event that you can put in your skit. First of all, let me tell you this. Skit is the N-word for comedians. Don't call it a skit. All right? It's an act. It's jokes. It's bits. Those are the three words you can use. Act, bit, joke. Stop calling it a skit. I don't know why. I can't explain it, but when somebody says you can put this in your skit, I feel like you're throwing mud in my face. You're just like, I don't know, I feel like you've just, you're, I'm being tabletopped and then you're just treating my face like it's a cigarette you're putting out at the heel of your shoe. You're fucking skit. Who am I? Who am I to you? Huh? Am I a fucking joke to you? I will kill you. <laughs> Don't call it a skip, bro. But that's what happens, man. Every time someone will tell me a mediocre story. Oh, you could use this in your skit if you want. Oh, you know what would happen if even just one time I used any story, joke, or thing that somebody, some normal person said you could use this in your skit? I would go up onto the stage and I would hear... That's what I would hear, man. Or I would hear horrific noises because some of the jokes and stories people tell me are just wildly offensive that can never be repeated in front of anybody other than a close friend. All right? So you're either going to get me killed or I'm going to bomb. Stop offering up suggestions for me. Nothing you're saying could belong on stage. You've never been on stage. You've never told a joke. You've never written a joke in your life. You don't know what works up there. Don't suggest it to me. Just talk to me like a normal. Tell me a good story and then leave it at that. I was talking to one of my buddies oh, about this, the Bo Burnham special. Have you guys watched 
the Bo Burnham special on Netflix inside. I mean, just, I can't, just do it. Just, it's not stand-up comedy, but it's comedy, but it's fucked up and it's dark and it's deep and it's twisted. And it is, I thought, incredibly entertaining, unique, original. And because I, you know, do this podcast, I film, edit, audio engineer. I mean, I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, the amount of shit that this kid knows how to do at an elite level is just unfathomable. The amount of work and effort and time put into making that thing is just, I can't even comprehend it. I can't comprehend it. And that's why I just, I'm blown away by it. And that's not even including just how good the material is, man. If you like Bo Burnham and you haven't seen it yet, fucking watch it. I mean, Welcome to the Internet is a song that's going to go down in history, bro. I wish I could play it here. It is so good. Just go and watch it. I'm not going to play it here. I probably won't be able to put this on YouTube if I just rip off a full Bo Burnham song and put it on here. Go watch it. I mean, unbelievable, undeniable. All the songs have been stuck in my head for days since I watched it. I'm, I'm going insane. I've honestly been listening to th- some of the songs while I work out. That's how good they are. I just like, anytime I get, a, if a song just hits me, like an, an emotional chord, I'll work out to it. People always talk about what's so, what do you listen to when you work out? People who just listen to like, straight rap or straight rock and roll or, or just can only listen to aggressive music while they work out. I don't, you're, you're weird, dude. I listen to so many different kinds of music while I work out. It's just totally dependent on my mood. I listen, I'll listen to hard rap. Of course I'll go dead. You, I mean, Eminem has gotten me through some of the sickest workouts of my life. Some of that old school, slim shady LP, Martha Mag- Marshall Mathers LP, man. Some of my best lifts, but I mean, dude, if you don't think I've lifted heavy weight, to Celine Dion while I was sad during workouts after getting broken up with, I have I have hit deadlift PRs to you're here. There's nothing I fear, and I know that my do I have almost blown my back out to those lyrics. Oh, dude, I mean, if you are too insecure in your masculinity to let Celine Dion take you through a, a powerlifting PR, I feel bad for you, bro. I feel horrible for you. Blink-182, man. Oh, great workouts. Great workouts to like a funky kind of depression. If you're in a funky like kind of sadness, you throw on Blink-182 and you rep out like 43 pull-ups. Mm. Some America's all-American rejects, dude. Go to hell. What is that? I'm a... What is it? Going to hell? I forget the name of the song. But there, there's some just all-American reject songs that have taken me through it. Blink-182, Eminem, Celine Dion, Adele? If you don't think I fucking bench 225 to that thick woman just blowing sick wind and, uh, you know, rolling in the deep, oh, God. I feel bad for you. Get it, dude. Loosen up. Loosen up and let, you know, who else? Louis Capaldi take you through a nice leg session. Just let Louis Capaldi keep your company in the squat rack. Uh. Let's see what's trending here. Oh, I mean... This chick is trending, and I saw, I mean, did you see the woman? Did you see the idiot who single-handedly ruined, not, she didn't ruin it, but I mean, she fucked it up, the Tour de France, this fucking dumb bitch was leaning, and yeah, yeah, it has nothing to do with her being an actual woman, but anybody who did this would be a dumb bitch, has her long-ass fucking sign as the entire mob of bikers come down, 
And just to get her little fucking two minutes of shine to get in front of the camera, she's leaning into the road with a four foot long cardboard sign that a biker crashed into, wiped out, and then it led to legitimately 50 other bikers just running over that dude's head, crashing and causing a massive pile up in this fucking, in this race. I mean, what is with the behavior of fans of sports after the pandemic, dude? You got fucking, I mean, you got the people, the guys, that, don't remember during the NBA playoffs, people were spitting on players, they were running onto the court, throwing water bottles at other players. I mean, we've just lost it. We have just lost all sort of etiquette and just, you know, any sort of, uh, just living logistically, living uh, logically, living, the self-awareness is gone. You got, you're leaning in front of a camera. I mean, I wish she got hit. Instead of the cardboard sign, I wish she took a fucking handlebar to the back of the neck. I mean, this woman is, she might as well have because her life is over. She is going to get sued to kingdom come by destroying and causing injury in the beginning of the first leg of the Tour de France. I mean, it's the first one. It's the first Tour de France since the pandemic and this fucking schmuck and this stupid. Oh, my God. It makes me so mad. The pandemic place. You stay just nice to see the fans back on the side of the road. But please, I mean, it's the first one. So they did do a race, but it's the first one with fans are on the back of the side of the road. And what did they do? They almost killed people. They almost killed the athletes in the race. I mean, just be better. Why are we so I mean, it's it's just coming to an end. I really think humanity. I mean, you got buildings in Miami just collapsing because people just don't do their jobs. It's what did I, I've talked about it on this podcast before. People, you just can't trust anyone to do their jobs. A building where nine million has been of work has been documented that needed to be done. Just the building slid, and you saw this, right? You guys saw this in Miami. All these people are just dead and buried under rubble because someone didn't give a fuck about legitimate like concrete cracking in the foundation of a massive residential building and it just collapsed while they were sleeping unbelievable man nobody gives a fuck about it remember i was in tampa and that reservoir just started leaking because no one took care of it and then they had to pump the whole point of the reservoir was to keep toxic waste out of the environment and then what do they do to save a town they pumped the toxic waste into the goddamn tampa bay and now you got buildings collapsing in Miami because people just don't give a fuck. And did you also see the conspiracy theory about John McAfee? You guys all know that John McAfee, right, died. The dude who created McAfee antivirus software who's been on the run for evading taxes and all this shit and who got killed or apparently suicided himself in the, uh, in the jail cell in Maine, even though he had legitimately tweeted out a year ago that if I ever hang myself, I uh, um, consider it. Epstein, I will have been Epstein because I like my life and I like where I am. And if I, if I ever, you ever catch me hanging, I've been Epstein, which seems like a major miscalculation. Like, it seems like if he was going to be killed by the government, that they would at least read a tweet and be like, all right, let's kill this guy any other way besides hanging him. But they hung him. They hung him. And he also had a tattoo. He had a fucking tattoo that said, uh, whacked. If I ever get killed, if I ever kill myself, consider it whacked. And then he had a tattoo with a money side on him in front of the W. So it was really swacked. I mean, a major oversight by the government if uh, they just. But also, I think they just don't kill it. Remember the fucking chick who like ruled against somebody in the Supreme Court. And then the next day, like she was just murdered her, or someone showed up at her house and just murdered her kid. 
And it's like nobody even gives a fuck about making it look like an accident or like it wasn't attributed to the thing that happened. The government just kills people and doesn't give a fuck about it, whether it gets into the news or not, because they know the other news stories are going to overtake that one and people will forget about it and not care. Even though I think what's happening little by little is people distrusting the government. And it'll come to a head eventually. But I mean, I still got questions about this McAfee conspiracy about it being why they why the government blew up the building in Miami. Apparently they're saying that he, there were specific, you know, top secret documents on a hard drive in that building, which seems to be a common conspiracy. Why couldn't they? He wasn't in the building. The dude's been on the run for years. He was living in Spain. You're telling me he's got a fucking condo in like a kind of shitty Miami residential building where he's just left the hard drive. Why couldn't they just go in and get the hard drive? They had to fucking kill dozens of innocent people. It's, it's a little, t- I don't know if I believe that one. I'm the first one to jump on board with a conspiracy dude, but I don't, I don't believe in, uh, I don't know if I buy this one quite yet. Um, what else is trending here? Let's see. I mean, I don't even want to, shit that's trending is just sad. And I feel like I'm just bringing down the pod. Main mom, excuse me, main mom covers toddlers bruises with temporary tattoos. Can't explain brutal injuries that killed the boy. I mean. People, I mean, should we just start? Should we just start putting IUDs in people, and like giving guys vasectomies as soon as we're born, and then until you prove that you're a functioning member of society, then we undo the thing so that you can be free to ha- choose to have a kid. It feels like that is almost what needs to be done because this is like the fourth toddler infant death. I read another article this morning about a fucking kid dying of a cocaine overdose because his parents were storing cocaine in his baby bottles. So maybe twist, maybe twist some dudes fucking nuts off when they come out of the womb for a little while until we all prove that we're fucking sane people. A main woman charged with depraved indifference murder and the death of a three-year-old son appeared in court Friday and was given $150,000 bail. Am I the only one? I don't understand bail. I mean, I haven't tried to understand it. I've done zero research, but as just right here, as I interpret it, I don't understand bail. To me, it just seems like you're a whore. It just seems like the government is like, you're a horrible person. You deserve to rot in hell. You shouldn't be a member of society unless you got enough money to give us. Unless you can hook us up with enough cash. Unless you got some cash on you, we'll let you go. You're a piece of shit and you killed your kid and you deserve to not be a part of society. But do you have any money on you? I mean, what is bail, dude? It's just unless you have enough money to make me, you know, to pay me off to run my little business here that's called prison, you're staying here. If not, give me some money, I'll let you go, and I'll see you back here in two weeks for your court date. Go roam free. Go kill another kid and maybe try to explain. If you give me 150 grand, I'll give you an opportunity to kill another kid and escape the country. Okay? And depending on your crime is how much money it takes for you to get that opportunity. You kill a kid, apparently killing a kid and temporarily tattooing him is, uh, is and then being able to escape... That crime is 150 grand, which seems honestly a little low. I feel like maybe it should be 1.5 mil. You kill a kid, you give me 1.5 mil. That's what I would do it for personally. 150 grand, dude. The government's not even that good. It's like, it's just the mafia. Everything's the mafia, bro. Except they don't have Italian accents. Uh, You give me 150 grand and I let you go and maybe kill another kid and, and escape the country. Dude, I am so bad at, I wish I was good at accents, man. It's such a cool skill to have. I'm so, and it's dangerous to do. This is the thing about accents. If you're good at accents, you're talented. If you're bad at accents and you do them, 
you're racist. Dude, if I just were to pop on on stage, if I were to pop on on stage and just do an Asian accent, it would be, or an Indian accent, I would be booed off stage. And it's not because, you know, it's, it's because it's bad. If I went up there and just did an Indian accent to where the point, like, to, that was so good that people couldn't even, like, figure out if I was raised by Indian people or not, then it would be fucking wild. But if I just went at, uh, in there and was like, I want, to, I want to ruin your life, not your day, and was just doing, like, random, uh, just horrible Indian Middle Eastern accents, I would be fucking, people would throw bottles at me. And it's not because, you know, accents are unacceptable. It's just because it's bad. And when it's bad, it's perceived as... I'm being a piece of shit, an offensive piece of shit. And I get it. So that's why I want to be, I would rather be good at accents. But I can't. Or I mean, I could, maybe I just don't practice it. I would just, I want everything to come natural for me. But it doesn't come natural. So I don't do accents. Um, so Bale's a really weird thing. I don't, I don't understand Bale. Oh, I had a chick, had, I, I wasn't doing accents on the show yesterday, but I had, I had a chick heckle me. It wasn't really a heckle. I'm doing a new joke. I think I talk, I think it's I can't, it can't, I did it on this podcast where I was talking about uh, if women are aware of how much worse pulling out is for a guy than just leaving it in. I mean, the drop off in enjoyment is just so undescribable. And then I'm talking about how I'm like I'm I'm like if imagine imagine if someone was about to slide a warm piece of apple pie into your mouth and as you went to bite down at the last second, they switched it out for asparagus. And then this chick yells out in the show, oh, that's an over-exaggeration. Hey, hey lady, that's what jokes are. That's what comedy is. That's what you came here to listen to is the truth over-exaggerated. That's how comedy works. Do you also sit down at restaurants and go, this is food. This is food. This, what you put down in front of me is food. That's what you ordered. Hey, that's what you came to the restaurant for was to satiate satiate yourself with edible things called food. That's an over-exaggeration. Yeah, man. You're at a restaurant and this is food. All right, guy. (laughs) This is comedy without an an over-exaggeration in truth. Uh, Pulling out and finishing on a woman is worse than leaving it inside. It doesn't feel as good. That's it. Fun stuff, huh? Can't wait. You should run a show. You should run a comedy show, lady. We should all go to it and see how bad of a time we have. Because the only thing you let people do is just talk about things in sentences. You schmuck. Ah, oh, Christ. All right. Um, that is it. That's episode number 36 of That's a Shame, everybody. Uh, shout out to the Patreon members, baby. The next episode, I know I've been fucking up, but the next Patreon episode is coming out this Thursday. I love you guys. Thank you for sticking with me and not bailing. Um, let me give a shout out to Mike T, Kai, Savannah Newman, Melissa Pryor, Rebecca Lyon, Jamie 134, Sebastian Borland, Madison, Delisa, Chris Man, Freddie C. Pesame, Trevor Vacris. Go on over and subscribe, baby. Patreon.com slash Nick Alex Comedy. Um, also go to manscaped.com, everybody. You know this episode, this podcast brought to you by manscaped.com. Go to manscaped.com, use code That's a shame for 20% off plus free shipping. Go over and do that. Also, stay safe. Keep tuning in. Tell your friends about the podcast, man. I love you guys. Take care. Bye.